The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? I just carry this over to the TV thing. We kind of did this deal. Adnan's here, so it's Thursday, so we're all over the place. Jacoby's going to stop by for a while. Schefter a little bit later. Field Yates on the Eli Manning stuff. We've got college football deals. But if you could do anything, it would be... Do a show with you? Anything. Oh, well, <laughs> number two, I meant. Yeah. I meant to ask you number two. That was good. You're quick. Out of the gates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Outsiders here? <laughs> yeah, Outsiders Say hi to the people, yeah, Outsider. Outsider. Listen, Listen, major news. We're going to get to all this stuff. You were, had a big-time guest last night. Huge, big-time guest. Ryan Rosillo. Ryan Rosillo was on the Outsider podcast. We just, I just mentioned Rosillo's obsessiveness, which is my favorite quality about him. Like, he's watching games all the time. So he took... I think the audience needs to understand this. This wasn't just five minutes for outside. This wasn't just 10 minutes. It wasn't like, all right, 20 minutes, halftime. How long was that last night? 40? We went for 40 minutes. Yep. 40 minutes he gave you of his time. Even though you see him here on the show, he's like, no, nope, for you outside, I'm giving you 40 good minutes. It was it was epic. I heard some Rissolo stories I never heard before. I regretted it. And I'll admit, if the Magic hadn't been up 20, I was going to hang up at some point if it was a closer fourth quarter because I was really locked into Magic Thunder last night. <laughs> And when I got the text from you that said, hey, we're five minutes away from calling you, I almost immediately texted you and said, we do it at 10 because I wanted to watch it. But then the magic started pulling away. So uh, thanks for having me on. I don't know. That's a dangerous career move going on that live deal with, with him and Cat. They get so, pretty loose, right? Uh, real loose. It's a, it's a late night show. There's some alcohol involved? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on my end. But, we'll but just leave the is there, is there foul language? Is there profanity? I, I try to keep it tight. It's an adult it's, show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. it is. HBO. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe girls. Maybe TNT later in the day. <laughs> okay, so Adnan's here. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to all the fun stuff a little bit later because this part is fun for everybody that's not a Tennessee Vol. And yeah. as of right now, just from ESPN.com, Adam, uh, Adam Rittenberg has reported that Dave Doran, who's the NC State head coach, who Tennessee thought would be the new Tennessee head coach, has decided to stay at NC State and has a new contract that will be finalized very soon, possibly by the end of today. Doran spoke with Tennessee yesterday afternoon. Quote from Dave Doran, quote, my family loves you here too much. I'm here because I love my players and my recruits. No quote here, but and I also got a nice little bump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is all helping everyone's leverage and their bargaining because everyone says, no, I don't want the Tennessee job. Uh, maybe I actually do. And then whoever is employing them says, we'll make this a little sweeter for you. So yeah, Marvin Miller is looking at the Tennessee Vols going, I wish I wish I had the Tennessee Vols around <laughs> right. when I was negotiating salaries. Right. This is going to help everybody get paid right now. And you're right. If you're not a Vol, if you don't have a dog in the race, it's hysterical. Like, how many more guys are we going to go through turning down this job? Which at one time, Ryan... Was coveted. Like I work with Jesse Palmer. Jesse tells you all the time, Florida, Tennessee, one of the great rivalries back in the day, like Knoxville. Are you kidding? Good fan base, SEC. And now nobody wants to touch this job, and they're just using it as leverage with their current job. It's crazy. So I can give you a little insight on this, and this yeah. is the difference between thinking you're plugged in and and then being afraid to do it. Because I always think like the role, especially as a talk show host. Okay, mm-hmm. but I've traveled the country now. And I know a lot of people in different walks of life. So you'd be texting people being like, hey, what do you think is going to happen here? What's going on there? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, Tennessee thought Jeff Brom was done. Okay. They thought it was done. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and last night. Can I find out why it wasn't? Was it money or just another reason? Uh, you can't go there. No, no. I, actually, I, I will no, tell no. you that there wasn't, there wasn't as much. This one isn't as embarrassing as the Dave Doran one. Okay. Because then it was like, okay, whatever the holdup there was with the Brom thing where we thought it was Brom, 
and the people that are, you know, kind of the power players here with Tennessee going, all right, Brom, it's done. Okay, we got him, you know, good background, NFL quarterback, you know, a cup of coffee, all that stuff. Yep. Okay, all right, that didn't work fine. Hi, everybody's laughing. Dave Dorn is done. Done as of last night. <laughs> so I can't tell you the specifics of how they're screwing it up, but I'm telling you that the people in power at Tennessee at some point, there's there's an hour or so in, in each of the days of the last few weeks where they like Shiano was done. Yeah, that was okay. unbelievable. That one was brutal. But at some point Tennessee thought Braum was done, and certainly last night they thought Dorn was done. So you know how in free agency in the NFL they'll say, Okay, here's the contract wide receiver, and here's the contract right now. But if you leave the facility and you don't sign this contract, we pull it. Right. Uh, I don't know if they can do that right now. I don't know if Tennessee has that kind of juice, but everybody's rooting against Tennessee because they're so upset with them, how they handled the Shiano thing, that this is now where I've kind of turned back around having a little sympathy for the Vols fan. Mm-hmm. It was like, look, I wasn't part of the outrage police, but now my school's a joke and everybody's laughing at us, and now the national media feels like they're rooting for the next guy to turn us down just so they can keep laughing at us. Yeah, so I like I said, if you're on Tennessee side, you get frustrated and upset by it, but the Shiano thing really is like the tipping point. Like If someone you were explaining the situation to somebody, you go, why doesn't anybody want the Tennessee job? The Shiano thing would be the craziest part of it because you go, yeah, the deal's done, but there was such a, an outcry. Like, Think about that. Think of how much – I mean, again, that speaks to the greatness of college football. That's how passionate these fan bases are, that people are like, no, this is not going to happen on our watch. We are going to let you know that this is unacceptable to us. And I suppose on some level, Ryan, I go, all right, credit to the administration that they understood the fan base was that vociferous because imagine if they had just hired Shiano. So you know what? There's an issue with it. Screw it. We're going with him because we think he's a good coach. He doesn't have a chance. People are going to just cannot wait to get him out of there. So – Although it's fraught with peril right now, could be a happy ending. If they eventually get the guy they want, and I don't know who that is at this point, but as long as you get a credible person, they can turn this around. But you're right. If you're not involved with it, it's a joke. And as I try to remind, and when Jesse Palmer tells you, yeah. hey, guys, this is this is one of the great rivalries, and people go, well, whatever, Palmer, you're a Gator. Yeah. That was your rival. Like, you're too close to it to even understand. Right. But seriously, man, when you go back to the late 80s, Early 90s, you know, here are their AP high ranks. Five, three, four, four, five. That's five straight years. Three, two, three, one, two, two, four, six, nine. I mean, it, we're talking a stretch of almost 20 years at some point ranked in the top 10 of the AP. And I know Nebraska fans are immediately going to jump on us and go, wait a minute, if you're talking up Tennessee's history, why do you always dismiss us? No, no, I don't think Nebraska can get back to winning multiple national championships in a very short amount of time. I'm not saying Tennessee is going to be ranked in the top 10 or should be, has a birthright to always be in the top 10, but it's become this laughing stock of a job. I think some of the, the ideas that the SEC is now a place where coaches don't want to go, even though it's recruits and it's the best salary. So, yeah, this right now, maybe everybody post-Shiano, other coaches are more hesitant, right. but they're also getting raises. They're also getting raises to stay in places and jobs that they've most recently accepted. Brom's barely been at Purdue. Doran hasn't been at NC State that long. Um I know. Are you are you in the anti-Vol thing because of the Shano deal? You want to see him continue to suffer? Because I'm saying, like, just finish it. Yeah, I, I, I'm amused by it all. I'm not pro-suffering. I'm amused by it. Like, I just, I'm like, who's the next one to fall kind of thing? Like, I just think Lane Kiffin's tweets are unbelievable. Like, the fact that, like, he's taking joy in this. He's trolling about it. Like, that's, that's the other part of this is that everyone seems to, like you say, revel in their misery. Like, sad Jordan face is like the, the, the coach of Tennessee. Like, yeah, I thought the sad Jordan face was kind of out. You know what I don't like when the kids do this with the memes where it's something really clever and they don't want to retweet the other person's meme or give them credit, so they just steal it and they go. But then they steal it and they go, who did this? Like, imagine writing a final paper for some college course and just plagiarizing it, and then at the top it's titled, who did this? 
Yeah, like, okay. wait a minute. It right. works with memes. Why not my final? <laughs> you got to own this thing. Come on. Speaking of uh, all the stuff, we got Adnan today, the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Compare rates for you so you get the best deal, even if it's not with us. Saving you time and money. Now, that's Progressive. Call or click today. Eric Ainge, who played quarterback uh, for the Vols and also works um, on the team broadcast, he DM'd Lane Kiffin and the DM picks up and it was released yesterday. And the DM picks from this. It says, because you suck and I don't ever want you to come back here. You can go anywhere else. Not here. Lane responded. Does your son have your phone? Aren't you a professional show host? (laughs) And Ainge says, I am on the flagship and I am a Homer. So kind of LOL. I think you were a great play caller. Maybe the best I've seen in college other than my guy Cutcliffe. I'll stop being a child to you, but I don't want you to coach here. Good luck. And then Lane said, I never Wanted to, ha. Huh? And then Ainge actually released the DM. Okay. So, you know, I want both sides to see what's going on here. <laughs> I think Ainge released it because he goes, well, this is Lane saying he doesn't want it. So well, I've and, got some news and, here. And by the way, Lane's on OTL right now. So Lane's he is, unbelievable. He's everywhere. Yeah. He's winning. Yep. Tennessee's struggling. Rocky top. We were going to start the show with Jimbo Fisher. Mm. Let's do a little Jimbo. We're going to hear, if you haven't heard this yet, during his weekly radio show, with an audience, a member of the audience got up and asked him a question, which led to the member being escorted. So we have the video and audio of that. We'll do it next with Adnan Verk today, the Rosillo Show at ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. I have to go to the gym and untangle my headphones while warming up on the treadmill. And I'll finally untangle them four miles later, at which point I'm going to be real tired. Oh, yeah. Motorcycles make everything exciting. And when Geico makes it easy to switch and save on motorcycle insurance, it's even more exciting. And once I put my headphones in, I realize my phone's dead. Then I get to run in silence. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. So we started with Tennessee. We thought we were going to start with Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo has a decision to make. AM wants him. Their AD worked with Jimbo when they were both at LSU, when Jimbo was an assistant there back in 2003. Um, Jimbo is the sixth highest paid head coach in the country at Florida State, about five and a half, six million dollars a year. The facilities at Florida State are not as good as he wants them to be, not as good as, say, Clemson and other of these schools that are the big boys, but He's been great there, but this thing's been going on for a while. Like Jimbo was close to going to LSU a couple years ago. So I don't have a problem with the AD saying, can you make a decision? Can you make it before this Saturday? Because they actually have another game that was canceled because of the hurricane. Right. If it was, if the season was already over, I don't think that there would be this pressure urging slash ultimatum. Well, we got a game to play here, Coach. So if you want to leave, that's fine. But just let us know. Right. They're playing Louisiana Monroe, 
And ironically enough, this makes them bowl eligible if they can get this win here. Right. There's actually something at stake. Yeah, this isn't just a nothing game. Six. Like, yeah, we want to get a bowl game. That's always important to us. We know it's been a bad season. Right. So last night, and I actually will give Jimbo credit for this, throughout all this turmoil, he does his weekly show. Maybe it's sponsored. Maybe he has to do it. So I don't know. I don't want to give or take credit away. How about we play that game? Sure. And a fan got up to ask Jimbo a question about his loyalty and then he was escorted out, and I read about it in some of the local stuff down there. It was a marketing employee in the Florida State Athletic Department who's got this vest on, and he grabs the mic from the guy. I don't think you're going to hear a real struggle on the audio. You'll see it in the video. And the guy actually pushes the fan in the back twice for asking what I thought was a totally reasonable question. And the guy who's pushing him, you are a loser, like the all-time <laughs> loser. Then the second push in the back, like, and I wish he had turned around you know what I'm talking about here, but I'm probably going to get in trouble. All right, so here it is. Jimbo, yes, sir. very excited when you came on board with the program. Very excited to have you as the offensive coordinator. Very excited when you came as the head coach. Yes, sir. It's been kind of a tough season. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching a lot of your press conferences and how you would talk about how we need to be committed to the program and keep cheering for the team. And we need to be talking about that, about loyalty to the program. So I'm wondering, where's the loyalty to the program, Okay. Uh, now, listen, it, first of all, he wasn't being – it helps if you see it on ESPN News. But if you're not, he's smiling. It's 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 light. It's not like he's attacking Jim and asking about his lack of credibility and loyalty and integrity. He's saying with a smile, saying, hey, you've talked about this with us. Hey, does this go both ways? Because we all know the rumors that are out there. And then he just gets escorted out. Like, he doesn't even finish his question. Yeah, you can't even ask that question. You get thrown out of this deal. And the video doesn't run long enough. You can find it. I, I'm yeah. a little – Surprised we can't seem to get that one up, but he pushes the dude in the back twice. Like as he's the guy's leaving, he's not. He's like, "All right, fine, I'm being thrown out," right? Which is absurd to begin with because it's a completely reasonable question. Because I get Jimbo's position. I'm the one in power. I'm the one that has the power on this deal. A&M wants to pay me a boatload of money. Want to make me the third highest paid head coach in college football. I haven't been happy as I need to be here. Maybe it's facilities. Maybe I'm delusional about all these things. But that's seven million a year is waiting for me at A&M. But so I'm going to take a few right, days to think about it. Right, yeah. but, I, but I do want to – I need a week. But at the same time, every Florida State fan listening right now, I get your frustration too. Yeah. You go, this guy's been flirting with other people for a really long time, and maybe there's some other issues with him, wanting to get out of the state and wanting to move on. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out, is there even a right here? Yeah, I think that guy has a right to ask that question, and it would have been very easy for Jim to just say, listen, I know we all know there's some rumors out there. And I think you guys understand I can't get into too many details about it, but I hear your point about commitment. And whenever I've been the head coach of Florida State, I've always been committed to this program. I don't know what's going to happen, honestly, fellas, but we'll figure it out. And that's it. And then someone goes, I want to follow. I'm not going to talk any further, guys. That's it. I'm not going to talk about this. So we, How hard is that? We would both agree that the question was totally fine. Correct. He actually, that guy did a really good job with it. He wasn't yeah. a jerk about it. No, he was it. smiling. He was, he was, it was meant not in a confrontational tone. But he was meant to get an answer. So do we treat these coaches with these contracts that are such God? Do we treat them like such gods that Jimbo's sitting there? And Jimbo handled it better than the employee in the marketing department did. But yeah. Does he? Actually, but Jimbo could have really handled it well, Ryan. If you're going, hey, no, it's okay, guys. Let, let yeah, but question. that's in the moment. You're kind of like, yeah, that's pretty true. But you could have been like, no, no, I'll answer his question. It's okay. It's okay, buddy. I, I'm all right. I don't know if my tough guys escort you out. All right, I'll answer it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it right? would have actually been great if Jimbo did that. Yeah. I don't want to beat up on Jimbo here. No, no. But 
they've lost three recruits who already said they're decommitting. The recruiting rank is going down. I was on some of the stuff this morning on the message boards of Florida State, just seeing how it was looked at there. Mm-hmm. They're tired of the flirting. They want them out. I understand their point. I'm just wondering if there's ever this thing. You know how like the rookie cap we had the rookie cap, right? Mm-hmm. We had it in the NBA because you go, you know what? You don't want Glenn Big Dog Robinson holding out for a ton of money. Here's what you're guaranteed to make. This is the rookie cap. We do it now with the NFL. Uh, the international baseball signing thing. Yeah. Okay, the Dice K Matsuzaka $51 million posting stuff. No, like, right. not doing that stuff anymore. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. When Saban's making $11 million, Urban's at 7 Jimbo's going to be at 7 I think Urban might be at 8 Do you have to feel like you're disconnected and that you have all the rights and no one can question you? When you get paid that much money, and I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering if it'll ever like if if it'll be the wealth disparity thing, where these guys that are in power will go, yeah, I know I signed a contract, but I don't care. There's another bigger contract over here, so if you don't put a hundred million dollars in the facilities, right. I'm going to bounce and and hang it over your head the entire time. Even though this is this is Tallahassee, this is Florida State, this is as I think brand wise, really as good as it gets. I think that's the key. Part of it is the money, but part of it is just the clout that you wield as the head coach of the football team, because college football is so powerful in places like Tuscaloosa and in Knoxville and in any of these major places that, that you're the biggest name in town. You are the biggest game. You're the only game in town I mean, in a lot of those states. So that's why they just get so much power and, and entitlement. And that's why I think these coaches, and again, I'm not knocking Jimbo. Listen, I, I think he's fine. Yeah, like everybody's I, been here. I think he's actually been fine. He's answered all my questions fine. I didn't like the episode earlier in the year. The fan was heckling him. He kind of got into it a little bit, but I'm like, whatever. You're having a bad year. I get it, man. Like it's been a bad yeah, season for right. State. You're a little testy, you're a little irritable. I get that, but I do think that that sense of entitlement comes from the fact not only the money, but because these guys are viewed they're on pedestals because college football is so powerful. You really feel like one guy can change it. Like when when Chip Kelly goes to UCLA, I'm like, that's amazing. Like if I was UCLA Bruin, I'm like, we're done. We're good to go. Like we got Chip. That's how much power one man can win. And you should feel that good about Chip getting that job. I'm just, you're right about everything you said because I'm I'm, I'm telling the Florida State fan, I totally hear you. Yeah. But then when it's the coach, you go, well, these are the rules. These are the rules that you play by. They're not really contracts. They're They're all on the coach's side. You know, these buyouts are fake because then the booster at the new school pays for that one, too. Yeah, that's a good point. People so, never figure that part. They go, oh, yeah. buyout. I'm like, well, that doesn't matter. Yeah, the buyout's huge. Well, <laughs> if you're going to give him $60 million, you know, like it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, right. Sumlin had a deal at A&M because he kept being offered other stuff. NFL teams wanted him. USC wanted him. So that whatever his buyout was, it had to be paid almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's why he hadn't gotten fired the first time through. So it is very one-sided, and I'm wondering if there ever is that correction like we've had with rookie contracts in the NFL and the NBA, like the international signing money in baseball. And, you know, I don't know. Would would Jimbo feel if he was making half as much more inclined to answer that question? That's probably stupid, too, for me to even think that. But I don't know. I was was kind of bummed out by that video last night. That's all. Yeah, no, I hear you because you'll just feel like that shouldn't be happening. If a guy asks a legitimate question. You can't even ask. You can't even ask the head coach. I'm not getting into that stuff. Okay. Great. Next question. Like, then there's no issue. Instead, it's a bad look for everybody now. Everybody goes, you know, Florida State, you guys are a bunch of chumps. That's what that video makes you feel. I like. think the fact that you have an employee want to act that quickly yeah. tells you kind of how insane all of this stuff is. Because like, somebody you, you in security with, is saying, yeah. hey, listen, if anyone acts on the yeah. line, you know what to do, you right? You have time with the king and, you know. <laughs> right. You despot. Don't bring him the spiced mead. Right. All right. Uh, with Dorn electing to stay at Tennessee, sources told ESPN that former Texas A&M head coach Kevin Sumlin mm-hmm. is someone the Vols plan to talk with about the job. I got to tell you. Um, I would 
gladly take Kevin Sumlin. I would be pumped. I'd be happier to get Kevin Sumlin than some of the other names that we've already mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I would hope they go with Kevin Sumlin, who I think can coach, versus T. Martin, who I'm not sure if he can. And just because he's a ball, I think more people think, oh, just get the former ball in there, make T. Martin the head coach, everybody would be happy. I don't know if that's the answer. Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest, most dependable 4G LTE networks. The market for Eli Manning. Will it be this season or next season? Field Yates on that one here on ESPN Radio. Nobody's got to stop me. No, nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you faster. No stopping doesn't matter. Now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm going to blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, hey, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Adnan had a huge, huge guest, somebody that everybody would love to meet, and he had her on the podcast. We have to do that. Jacoby is going to be hanging out for a little bit later today, and uh, Schefter in the third hour. Right now, it's Field Yates, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Eli's the headline of this whole thing, and still really in today. So the easy things to say that it was handled the wrong way. So what do you think should have happened? Well, so I think that's what it comes down to. Is I think that there's like the frustration, I don't believe, and you guys have probably already had this thought yourselves, expressed this thought, or heard somebody else say it. I don't think people are totally losing their mind over the idea that a guy who's got just 14 touchdown passes so far has been average in a lot of objective measures on a 2-9 and nine team has been replaced. It's more so that it seemingly happens out of nowhere to a team that is not moving on from Eli Manning to the future quarterback, right? This is not Patrick Mahomes taking over in Kansas City, which people unwisely are currently clamoring for. Some people are. This is not Mitch Trubisky taking over for the Chicago Bears. This is going to Geno Smith, who, as we know, is effectively nothing more than a stopgap for the Giants. So I think it's like it's two separate situations that have been smashed into one, which has led to so much unrest over the past 48 hours. And you're right, like, here's the reality. How many moving on from a quarterback that's a legend with your franchise situations go smoothly, right? I mean, Brett Favre, comes this ugly divorce with the, with the Green Bay Packers. Like, Tony Romo, you know, that was about as good as it can get. But Tony Romo, like, he walked away from the game when so many people thought he would stick around for at least another year. You know, I mean, he turned down potentially probably $15 million a year offers if he had become a free agent. So it's rare that a quarterback situation, it involves a longtime figure at the spot with a certain organization, works out as planned. But this one feels particularly bad, probably just because of the timing and the quarterback who now takes over for him, a guy that has not been that good in his career. And that's what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for Geno Smith to light it up. Be unbelievable down the stretch. And the Giants will give a PR nightmare because yeah. they already angered Eli. They want to tank to get the pick. They're not going to get that because Geno Smith's going to be unbelievable. Right. And now people are going to say, you know what? Geno Smith, is he the quarterback of the future for the New York Giants? Can I think you imagine that. Would be that? The best case like, I mean, like, like nine lives in New York for <laughs> Geno Smith, huh? I mean, buried by after his Jets tenure. Seriously, and- if he wasn't with the Jets, this actually wouldn't be going out. 
as badly in New York City. Right. I mean, exactly. if you go to Tampa Bay or something like that. The same okay. sets of eyes that have seen him be terrible yeah. are now looking at him like, that guy's taking over? So, all right, then what does that mean for the market then for Eli? So let's just get through this. So Eli is a no-trade clause. If Eli, if they don't want to cut him, it's up to Eli where he wants to go. He could say, you want to try to trade me to just make this up. You know, Chicago, obviously they wouldn't trade for him, right, but right. he doesn't want to go to Chicago. It's not happening. Uh, but if they decide to cut him, which is at least possible given the salaries involved and they got to save a bunch of cap space, then all of a sudden it opens up to what Eli wants. And, you know, I think the obvious suitor that everybody's talking about is Jacksonville, right? It's the connection with Tom Coughlin. It's the fact that they have their own quarterback who is under contract for next year with no guarantee money in Blake Bortles, who does not look like the long-term answer. And for those who are saying like it wouldn't be a fit because they want to just, you know, ground and pound and, you know, they've got, it's a defense that will carry them, like, it's pretty clear that the acquisition of Eli Manning would mean more than just the throws he can make on the field. It's the leadership, it's the accountability, it's the total package of the intangibles off the field that Tom Coughlin, who clearly reveres and loves Eli Manning, would want to acquire. So obviously Jacksonville will be in the mix. We've heard some speculation on Arizona if Carson Palmer decides to retire after this season. You know, Arizona, if Larry Fitzgerald returns for next season and Bruce Aaron's comes back for next season. He's denied reports that he's going to retire. Like, I don't think that's a team that wants to just press reset and start from the bottom with that team because they've got a good defense. They talked about Blaine Gabbert being their potential starter next year. Eli Manning would be an upgrade there. So I think they're going to have a couple of teams that profile as not rebuilding, not, you know, like the teams that are 8-8, eight 9-7, eight, and seven, maybe 10-6 and six with their current roster that want to get to the next level. Talk right now, Field Yates on the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio. NFC supremacy this weekend, Field. Yep. Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Saints, all, and the Panthers all have eight and three records or better through 11 games. Philly's going for their 10th straight win, which has set the longest win streak in team history. We know about Wentz. We know how balanced they are now on offense. You know about the improved receiving core, the running game. We know about the pass rush. How about the Eagles' run defense? I feel like that doesn't get enough play, how staunch they are. It's, it's so good. It's really, really good. In the NFL season, we tend to, because there's only so many games, you know, we only play 16 games, mm-hmm. we tend to look at season-long totals. And I get that. I also would say that like it would be prudent to sort of slice the season up into four or six game cross sections because that can be a more accurate reflection mm-hmm. of where you are. I mean, the you know, the Broncos still might be like top five in scoring defense. I don't know exactly where they check in, but we know over the past month they have not been good defensively, right? They got diced by the Eagles and the Patriots and then, you know, they've they've been more vulnerable of late. Even the Bron- even that game against the Raiders last week. So uh the the Eagles defense run defense over the past I mean for the whole season it's good. But of late, it has just been dominant. Part of it's the Fletcher Cox returning and and, and so much more uh, to that run defense. But they've got, like, regardless of what happens over the next 10 days, when they play two really difficult games, Seattle on the road, followed by L.A. on the road, and I imagine they'd stay there during the week. It's never easy to stay, on, stay away from home. But no matter what happens over the next 10 days, I buy into this team because they've got sustainable ingredients, obviously quarterback play, pass rush, good offensive line, functional running game, and a great run defense. I'm always trying to figure out we got Field Yates here with the AFC and that as you mentioned these these cross sections because like here's Denver that actually gives up third least amount of yards, but the scoring defense isn't as good because yep. of what a mess it is for them every single week. And then I'll look at New England and their scoring defense, you can look at the total numbers and they're gonna be misleading because of what they've now done. Yeah. Now I don't know how Pittsburgh, even with all that talent, like why do they play down to the opponent 
And then when I watch that, like it did with Green Bay earlier this week, I go, this team's supposed to stop the Pats maybe at New England, or even if it is in Pittsburgh, with the way they play defense. Like, how is how am I going to be tricked into thinking that that's going to change? Until you see it, no one's going to, I mean, not no one, but few people are going to be buying into the idea that Pittsburgh has all of a sudden, you know, solved their defensive quandaries and can handle New England and hold them to 20 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. This offense is incredibly well-oiled right now, the Patriots' offense is, and it's done so without Chris Hogan for, what, three or four games now, who was their best wide receiver prior to that shoulder injury against the Chargers. For the Steelers, there are certainly signs of optimism. They've got plenty of speed at linebacker. They've got an infused pass rush with a guy like T.J. Watt really making a difference. It's going to come down to cornerback play, though. That's what it was last year. Remember that AFC Championship game? They simply didn't have the horses. I mean, Chris Hogan ran wild against the Steelers in that AFC Championship game last year. Getting Joe Hayden back eventually will certainly make a difference, but I think you look at some of the vulnerabilities in that secondary. I know Lewis Riddick has talked about on Twitter yep. that that Pittsburgh set of cornerbacks, is it as good as the numbers might suggest? We'll find out. Uh, and they play, obviously, in Week 15, so we might have, we definitely have one matchup between these two, and it seems like Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, is already planning on a second one as well. What's more insufferable? The people who, after the Chiefs' hot starts that I told you, Alex Smith, better than people realize, are all the I told you so's now the Chiefs are struggling, bad defense, and then Smith struggling. Mm, that's a good question. That's a, yeah, I'd probably say probably the, the former. Because, here's why, right? Because, like, Alex Smith, you know, we have enough of a sample size to kind of say he is what he is, right? right. I think he's an above average starter in this league. I don't think he's a top eight quarterback in this league. I don't think he's a quarterback that you can't win with. I think you win with Alex Smith. But, but, you know, we had, what, 10 years or whatever it was, nine years to know that. And then after six games, people are saying, like, there you go, sleeping on Alex Smith again. Yeah. I always <laughs> run people like, you know, it's right. like MVP, how, lock yeah. it in. Alex how dare awesome. we, right? Yeah. Uh, what you are September 30th to October 30th to November 30th can change dramatically. Here we are on November 30th. I still think the Chiefs are going to be fine, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of breathing down the necks in Kansas City right now with the Chargers all of a sudden playing ridiculous football. And if you, just think about if the Chargers hadn't coughed away one of their first four games, how different the tenor would be right now because they would be six and five at the very least against uh, you know and have, was still having a chance to be uh, to play the Chiefs at some point later on this season. So the AFC West is probably the best race going forward, uh, even if it's even if it's team that wins you know ten games wins the division or maybe even nine games. It's a great race. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, guys. All right, Phil Yates, good stuff out of him. In studio, giving you Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, best phones, best networks, no contracts. Adnan talked to a female actress who every pro athlete immediately followed on Twitter and Instagram as soon as she was in this movie. All right, that's next on ESPN Radio. And now another edition of Obvious News from Geico. Experts now say that wearing more clothes in the winter will, in fact, help you be warmer. We asked cold victim Trent Patterson about this, and here's what he said. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I I was a little cold, put on a sweater, then wasn't cold. I was like, what? Also in obvious news, Geico makes it easy to save money and easy to reach them with licensed agents available around the clock. So switching is a really smart decision. That's obvious news from Geico. What do we got here, uh, Saruti? I know Saruti's excited about the 30 for 30 podcast, but you had to jump in on something else? Okay. Um, we'll do it at the beginning because Adnan loves baseball. But see, this segment isn't super long here. What are we talking? Shohei Otani? No, Shohei Otani, though. But talk yeah. about the see that? posting fees. Yeah. Yeah, but have you noticed like, he can only make what? Three mil a year? Brutal. Like 3.5. The Rangers have the best chance to sign him. I go, 
Hang on. You mentioned earlier the Dice K. Like, it used to be $51 million posting fee and then $55 million of the player. So a team was giving up like $106 million. Now you're going to get a steal, apparently, with Otani. That's why I'm wondering if the universities would ever get together on the college football stuff and go, okay, this is so out of hand with these contracts, even right. though there's a ton of money coming in. Yeah. Is there a way we, we try to re- – because that's usually what happens. You go, wait a minute, how much do, how much do these guys make? The Dice K $100 million investment was <laughs> Remember insane. that? Remember you heard yeah, the number? I do. <laughs> As a Red Sox fan. You heard the number he and you go – this mysterious pitch, the gyro ball. Right. You heard the number and you go, wait, how much is he getting? I don't know, but it's a $55 million posting fee. So who gets that? Oh, not Dice K. That's what the Japanese Yeah, the was. team gets it. Right. You go, what are we paying him? 51. <laughs> Remember hundred million for this guy? I'm like, yeah, all right. Is he good? Like, yeah, He's got an really. invisible pitch. You kidding me? Cy Young. So um, – Adnan Burks here today. When the Tribune Company bought the Chicago Cubs in 1981, its executives saw nighttime baseball as a way to turn around the club's fortunes. Their only problem, scores of Wrigleyville residents were ready to fight against it. 30 for 30 podcasts present the lights of Wrigleyville, available now on the ESPN app and the Apple podcast. I don't think that Otani thing is talked about nearly enough. Ten years ago, we would have lost our minds. We'd have done this sh- this segment every single day. How much? We- it's the Japanese Babe Ruth. Yeah. Pitcher, hitter, 60 minutes He wants feature. to do it all. He wants to do it all. <laughs> he's, he has a quiz that he's giving to every team that wants to sign him. That's you have the to best answer the quiz the right way. Why should you deserve my services? <laughs> yes, I love this guy. That's incredible. <laughs> like, how good is that? He's All 30 teams. LeVar is looking at this quiz going, why didn't I think of this thing? Okay. So um, I, I just think that financial stuff for all that stuff's really interesting. But this is way more interesting because you spoke with Margot Robbie, latest guest on Cinephile, which is on the ESPN app, and I'll tune in. Wrong sound effect. She's unbelievable. She's got a new movie called I, Tanya, in which she plays Tanya Harding, and it's all about the story of not only Tanya Harding growing up, her mom, who's unbelievable in the movie, played by Allison Janney, mom from hell, and yet it's so darkly funny. I asked Margot Robbie, I said, you know, there's so many times this movie, and there's a lot of serious issues here, physical abuse and profanity, and I said, but I'm laughing. I go, this is awful. And she goes, well, Allison Janney said it's kind of like laughing in church. You know that it's wrong. Yet you can't help yourself. And that's kind of what I, Tanya's like. They obviously get into the whole rivalry, her and Nancy Kerrigan, what happened with Jeff Galuli, which I don't know last time you thought about it. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. But I'm watching it. How crazy is that? There was I think two, about Galuli a lot. There was two American figure skaters, and the husband of one of them had a hitman take out the other person prior to the Olympics. It was one of the craziest stories, uh, certainly of our lifetimes. And the movie dramatizes that. When the screenwriter, you'll love this because you can appreciate the writing. The screenwriter is writing the script. He meets with Tanya Harding, had six hours with her, went through all the stories. Here's how it went. Then meets with Galuli, went through six hours. None of the stories matched up. And he goes, okay, they're completely different incidents of the same stories. How do we do this? So the movie's ingenious. It is dueling narratives, and it's all breaking the fourth wall. I mean, they keep talking to the camera. So Tanya Harding goes, then he did this to me, he did this to me, and it goes to Galuli going, that never happened. Look at the camera. No, don't believe this. Don't believe this next part of the movie. Who wrote it? I don't know the writer. Oh, my camera. gosh. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Craig Gillespie directed it, though. He must have watched Goodfellas a thousand times because it's got a lot of Goodfellas. The music and the jump cuts and the editing. Rolling but, Stones. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> no Rolling Stones. The only, only non-Marty thing. But Margot Robbie's awesome. She kills it in the movie. And here's what I want to tell you because you and I both love Wolf of Wall Street. So I asked her about it. I said, how'd you get that role? You know, this Australian actress, soap operas. And she said she got the call from Ellen Lewis, who's Martin Scorsese's longtime casting director. And she goes, yeah, Marty loved your tape. Thousands of women want to be the Duchess. Thousands. And she goes, yeah, Marty likes to. She goes, who's Marty? She goes, Martin Scorsese. They all call him Marty. She goes, oh, okay. All right, whatever. She goes, shows up, and, and she was not dressed right. Ellen Lewis goes, what are you doing? And she goes, what? She was wearing, like, you know, tank top, baggy sweater. She goes, you're supposed to be the Duchess, the most beautiful woman in the world. That's what the script says by Terrence Winter. Look at why you're dressed. <laughs> Literally goes to, like, Saks Fifth Avenue, buys, like, the nicest, tightest dress you could find, then goes into the audition, meets Marty, meets Leonardo DiCaprio. In the scene, it's one of the fights that they're having in the movie. And at one point, Leo goes, I'll come over here and give me a kiss. And she goes, I had two thoughts. 
One, I can go over and tell all my girlfriends, I didn't get the role, but I get to kiss Leonardo DiCaprio. Or do what the character should do. And I reared back, and I slapped him as hard as I could. And after I did it, I realized how horrified I was, and I saw Leo's face, and then I hear laughter, and Scorsese's on the floor laughing so hard, and then Leo starts laughing. They go, perfect. Do that again. That's how she got the role. She was willing to slap one of the biggest movie stars in the world in this audition where nobody knew who she was. That's gutsy. That's Margot Robbie. That was the best story you've ever told on the show. Because <laughs> she is, she's perfect in that movie. She goes, talk about no she pressure. Is, the script says, the most beautiful girl in all of New York. And, well, she nailed that part of it. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, is if you look at any of her social media, a lot of stuff, you're like, wait a minute, that's the Duchess? It's yeah. the same person? She's awesome. I'm, obviously, I'm very shallow. All right, coming up next, college football playoff eliminator, Adnan Burke, Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio.